Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. It's good to be home today. Last Sunday, I appreciate Pastor Jamie stepping in and bringing a great word. I listened to it and appreciate his added commentary to bring bringing more clarity to my word. That's what... <laughs> That's what I got out of Pastor Jamie's word this week. I was like, wow, Jamie, you just like, just brought it, just clarified, just let, picked up where I left off and uh, brought it a little bit deeper. But I did uh, appreciate his explanation of Jeremiah chapter 29, and uh, it is powerful. I'm going to read that verse one more time to us. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, Father God is speaking uh, to the prophet Jeremiah and declares, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, they are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So a few weeks ago, I started this series on God's script for you, and uh, as we kind of just uh, delved into this thought process, uh, God's plan for your life, God's script for your life. I, I know so many people that last Sunday, uh, we were, as you know, out of town. It was my wife's birthday. And so we went to meet up with her twin sister to celebrate. Uh, my wife turned 70 years old. It's hard, unbelievable. She doesn't look a day over 50. And, uh, but we went, and she's not ashamed of being 70. She's actually very excited about reaching 70, and so am I. And uh, so, uh, but we went out of town to uh, their hometown to celebrate with their family and um, spent a couple of days in North, North Shore, which is Mandeville, Covington, Louisiana, and uh, ate some incredible food. Come on, somebody. Some <laughs> Shrimp jambalaya, some red beans and rice, shrimp po'boys, crawfish po'boys, uh, oyster po'boys, soft shell crab po'boys. Man, oh man. And I lost three pounds while I was gone. That's, that's the way I like it right there. I just ate and then came home and uh, thank you, Jesus. Anyhow, <laughs> last Saturday we drove over from the North Shore into New Orleans. Uh, for a couple of days, and uh, while we were there, uh, it is it was Mardi Gras time, and uh, I have not been to New Orleans during Mardi Gras since I was 14 years old, when my sister Cheryl and brother-in-law Bob took me over, and it was uh, hellacious back then. It was uh, it, it was horrible. I've never wanted to go back, and so. Uh, with a lot of thought process, uh, we went, and uh, it was thankfully not, well, first of all, we knew where to stay away from, and uh, secondly, it, it was really uh, a lot of families, tens of thousands of people there, and uh, we went to a couple of parades and yelled out with all the other crazies, throw me something, mister, throw me something. Cheap beads from China, man. People were acting like they were throwing million dollars out. They were screaming and hollering, grabbing. And then once they caught it, they'd give it to somebody else. But, but uh, one of the mornings, we went to have lunch with some friends. And um, on the way there, we took a detour into French Quarter. 
And there were, there were people, human beings, laying on the street, 10.30 in the morning, drunk out of their minds, drugged out of their minds, not knowing who they were. It was cold, it was rainy, it was misty. And as I stepped over this lady and I looked down in her face, I thought, this was not God's script for her life. This was not God's plan for her life. And I felt this overwhelming sense of love for this broken person. And we went down near uh, Jefferson Square, and there were a bunch of guys out there with red hats on and red T-shirts, and Jesus loves you on front of their T-shirts. And many of them were just walking around and praying with people and talking with people. Some were trying to preach on the corners, which it, neither here or there for me. But, but uh, I appreciated the heart of those who were trying to reach out and just show human kindness to people that were obviously not living their best life. See, God wants us to live our best life. He, he wrote a script for us. He has a plan for us. As I just read out of Jeremiah chapter 29, God looks down at us with good thoughts. And, and I told you a couple of weeks ago, my first point to us was this. God likes you. He doesn't just love you, but he likes you. And, and, you know, we're all commanded to love one another, but to like everybody, well, that's a whole different story. How many of you know at least one person that's non-likable? Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand, I'm sitting by my husband. No. But, but there are unlikable people because of their actions and their behavior. But God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus. And I was listening to Pastor Jamie's word this week, and then I went back and listened to my word the week before, and I was meditating on the, on the thoughts of God's goodness towards us and, and how God really likes us and he loves us, so much so that he gave Jesus long before you and I were ever thought of before our parents were ever thought of. God already had a plan for your life. God already knew your name. God knew what century you would live in, what decade you would live in, what year you would live in. God knew what city you would live in. And he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. But the enemy also has a plan for your life. And Jesus said it in John chapter 10, that the enemy of your soul, Satan, Lucifer, the deceiver, whatever you want to call him, he comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. This morning, um, we got a text, the whole staff, and uh, about something that happened Friday night over in Tallahassee. And we were actually driving home through Tallahassee Thursday night, stopped and had a quick dinner and grabbed a cup of coffee to get home. And, and, uh, but Friday night in Tallahassee, on the campus of Florida State University, Marianne, you should be happy, <laughs> randomly, without plans 
at least from humankind, something began to happen in students' lives, and they began to go out into the center of the campus of Florida State University. And it's recorded that over 400 students gave their heart to Jesus Christ Friday night. And over 300 students were water baptized in the fountain in the middle of the campus of Florida State University. And as I was watching the video, a police officer walked by and he was just looking and smiling. Because God loves all his children, even Seminoles. I just had to throw that in for Miss Marianne. No, but he does. And he loves the Gators. And he loves the Clemson Tigers. And he loves Alabama. And he loves Africa and Russia and China and Jamaica and Cuba. In the midst of horrible things that are happening around the world, God's sovereign love is being experienced. So when you get discouraged and think, is anything going on good in the world? I want you to know God is moving on the face of the earth. And we're believing for a great revival in this city. I'm believing in my lifetime, I'm going to experience a revival like we've never known before. See, I don't believe you have to go to California. I don't believe you have to go to some other nation, to some other city. I believe when we get hungry enough for God, God will show up to his people who are seeking him holy, with a heart that says, God, we need you. Our young people need God. Because what the world has to offer ends them up on a street corner drugged out of their mind, head laying against the wall, oblivious to people that are walking over them and mocking them. God loves every one of them. Which is why it's so important that we reach our children and not just try to wait until they've sown all their oats and, and, and experienced all the world before they, no, no. I believe that children can know God at an early age and surrender to him at an early age and desire him their whole entire lives and make something count with their life. That, 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 that they recognize God has a plan. Doesn't matter if you're seven or 17 or 77. God has a plan for your life. And we, we need to get to that place where we go, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get out of the way of God's plan for me? <laughs> Two weeks ago, I started out with a message with four points, got to the first one, and then just threw the fourth one out there real quick at the end. But the first point was God likes you, and the fourth point was to surrender to his will and purpose. And so today, I just want to come back and give you points two and three because they're real important, and uh, I believe that, uh, that they will be a key to some of your lives to saying, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm walking out the plans that God has for me entirely and completely? What do I do to spend the rest of my life fulfilling the purposes and plans of God. Obviously, the enemy wants to bring whatever distraction he needs in your life to keep you from fulfilling 
what God's desire is for you. See, I don't think there will be anything worse at the end of your life than to end your life with regret if you have to look back and know all that God wanted to do through your life, but you sacrificed it away for what the flesh wants. Because the flesh, it never satisfies. The, the flesh, the more you feed the flesh, that's why pornography and the spirit of lust among men is so absolutely deceptive is because some man thinks that if I can just, you know, experience a little of this, maybe it'll make my marriage better. No, that's a lie from hell. It robs you in your marriage. And every man in this place has had to deal with the spirit of pornography and the spirit of lust. Every man. It's a reality. Why? Because what we see with our eyes, we have to deal with. And so, if we believe the lie and we surrender to that, we begin to lose something that God never desired for us to lose. And so, we have to die to it. That's why we have a men's group that meets on Thursday morning, semester after semester, year after year. Because we have a, a mandate to help men overcome and walk in victory. And hear me, you can walk in victory. You do not have to be bound to the spirits of this world, the spirits of pornography and lust and deceptive. You don't have to be. You can walk free. You can be content and happy. You can be satisfied in your manhood. Women, you have your issues. Men have their issues. We all have issues. And the enemy wants to use your issue to keep you from his best in your life. And we have to choose. We have to choose. I want God's best. So the second point I want to give you, the first one today, is to find contentment in Christ Jesus. To find your contentment. The enemy will use whatever deceptive means he needs to get you out of the purposes and the will of God. And when I say anything, I mean anything. Sometimes he'll use what you think is a brother or sister and they start speaking lies but it sounds like truth. They, they, they come to separate you from God's best in your life. Come to separate you from your spouse or your children or your church family or the body of Christ. With what? There's something better. There's something better. There's a better husband. There's a better wife. There's a better family. There's a better church. They don't teach you enough. And they're lies. Because what did they come to do? To separate you from to whom God has joined you together to. That's why divorce is rampant in the body of Christ. 
and the swinging doors of church just spin like this because there's always a voice speaking a lie. And we have to have discernment. As husbands, we have to have discernment to know how to protect ourselves so we can protect our wife, so that we can protect our children, so that we can watch over them and guard, stand up and fight the good fight against the lie of the enemy. To know how to not give in to the lies of the enemy. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 2. See, some of y'all didn't know if I was even going to get to Scripture, but here I am. Colossians chapter 2. Man, I love this book, and I love Philippians. We're going to hang around in both of them for a few minutes. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Verse 1 to 5 is awesome too, but I just don't have time, so I'm going to jump right here in verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, what's it say? So walk in him. You can't stop walking. You can't stop believing. You can't stop living the truth of God's word. Listen to this, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Boy, there's like, there's like 10 different messages in that one verse. Abounding in thanksgiving. We have to have a thankful heart. If not, boy, the enemy comes in and begins to feed you lies. And all of a sudden, your thankful heart for your family, your friends, your loved ones, the people you've been joined to, the people you've been walking with in faith, all of a sudden, they're not everything that you expected them to be. You begin to be open slowly to deception. But when your heart's thankful, when you're thankful for your family, you're thankful for your wife, you're thankful for your husband, you're thankful for your children. See, it's hard to be thankful for your spouse and criticize them at the same time. Come on, somebody. It's hard. So when, when you're going through something rough and tough and difficult at home, you probably ought to stop for a couple of minutes and just start remembering. See, the other day we were in New Orleans and my sister-in-law, we were staying with, with baby doll, B, uh, Suzanne's older sister, and she has a bazillion pictures. And there was a picture of the outside of the church where Suzanne and I got married. Elysian Fields Assembly of God. Never been there before. Never been there since. <laughs> but got married there. I said, honey, why did we get married? That wasn't even your church. She said, well, the church my mom and them were going to was this big, huge place, and we just wanted something a little more intimate and blah, blah, blah. And that's why we got married there. But all of a sudden, I'm looking at this and, and flashback memories from almost next month, 40, April, be 45 years. And yet, I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Me and my good-looking white tux. <laughs> and that woman walking down that aisle. Woo, sweet Jesus. I almost passed out. And then when I stood there and she sang to me, come on, somebody. Those are good memories. 
Well, have y'all had any rough times since? Oh, oh my gosh. You're alive, you've had rough times. But boy, when you start remembering all the good, the bad tends to disappear. You start remembering the things that you're thankful for, and all of a sudden, life looks different. Paul said to the church, he said, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. You know why Paul gave that warning? Because people were doing that to each other. They were being critical. They were being judgmental. They were bringing up the bad. They were bringing up the negative. Hey, there's a better church down the road. Hey, there's a better spouse for you down the Oh, you should meet this person I met. I think, whoo, I think they'd be better for you. And it's not God's best. It's not a part of God's script that he wrote for your, for your life. For in him, verse 9, the whole, say whole. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. See, God has this plan for your life, but he will never violate your will. You hear me? God will not force you to do what's best for you. You're given a choice. Say choice. choice. Sometimes we Christians don't like that. Oh, choice. No. Nobody. Yeah, everybody has a choice. You want to murder your baby? You have a choice. You want to stay committed and faithful? You have a choice. You have to choose. And in the Old Covenant, God lays out the choices before the children of Israel. And then he kind of gives the answer. Doesn't force them, but he gives them the answer. Choose righteously. Choose right. But he doesn't force them. As many of you at the beginning of this year have started rereading through the Bible again. Some of you are in different chapters uh, or different books of the Bible. And, and uh, as you're reading through and you get past Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and into Joshua, and, and then into the Kings, and this morning I'm reading about Solomon, David's son, who was promised all of these incredible things. I mean, they're incredible. Come on. How many of you have read? You know what I'm talking about. You've read about Solomon's life and all the promises. God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you this. I'm, I'm going to do all this for you. If, if 
you will stay loyal and serve me with your whole heart. But then he goes ahead and adds, but if you don't, see, I think it's humankind, we kind of need those but if you don't moments. I mean, I don't know about y'all, I have a healthy fear of God, a righteous fear, an awe at who God is. There are times when you just have to get on your face in the presence of Almighty God. But, but, but I also have a fear of hell. And growing up as a boy, before I knew the love of God, I shared that with you two weeks ago, but before I fully understood the love of God, I had such a fear of hell that in a lot of ways, it kept me on the straight and narrow. As a 22-year-old young man who married a 25-year-old righteous young woman, I was a virgin. My wife was a virgin. How quiet it gets in here. All the parents start, ooh. <laughs> Go home and tell your kids what it is, first of all. It's not something you, you ought to be ashamed of. Something you ought to respect. Something you ought to teach your children. It's a gift. I wasn't a virgin because I didn't have opportunity not to be one. I had crazy opportunities. All my sisters were pregnant and had kids or abortions by the time they were 14, 15, 16. My brother had three children by the time he was 18. His wife, when he got her pregnant, was not his wife. She was one month older than I was. I was 14. But there was a fear inside of me that in many times in my life kept me from going down the wrong road. Kept me from messing up so bad that there could have been consequences I mean, I often think about what if I had. Well, more than likely, Suzanne would not have become my wife. Nathan, Andrew, and Luke would not have been my sons. Stephanie, Jessica, and Ollie would not have been my daughter-in-laws. Caroline and George and Peter, Eva and Anna and Ari and Jordan and Wyatt and Stella and Scarlett wouldn't have been my grandchildren. Imagine that could have been my life. That person I stepped over in the city of New Orleans could have been me could have been you. That wasn't God's plan. And you had to make right choices to be where you are today. Choices that determined your life. Had all those things not had happened, I wouldn't be standing on this stage 
looking at your beautiful faces because I would have never known you because this church wouldn't have existed. You ever stop and just pause a moment and start thinking about the what-ifs of your life and how they would have altered? That's why when the enemy comes in to deceive you and to speak lies into your ear, you have to understand it's bigger than than just this moment. Your children that you're fighting for, the decisions that they make, where they go, where they go to college, where, where they go to the university, where, what job they get, what city they move to, will determine their future. And is it what God's plan for them is? See, sometimes we have to back up and take a deep breath and find out, am I content in who I am in Christ Jesus? And if I'm not, is it because I'm out of God's plan or is it because the enemy is trying to bring a lie into my life? Think about that for a moment. It's one or the other. Because there are times when, when, when you're living outside of God's best for your life and God has to do something, to stir something, to make something happen so that it will wake you up enough to go, where am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to be doing? When my heart had been given over to Suzanne Irene Mike. At the time that my heart was given over to her, she had no time in her schedule for me. <laughs> I could have quit. I could have given up. Two and a half years, I did not see that woman. Two and a half years, I prayed for that woman. I dated other girls, kissed other girls. The problem was every time I kissed a girl, I saw Suzanne's face. That's weird. So finally I decided to stop kissing other girls. Because it wasn't right. I mean, some of these girls love Jesus. I had no right touching them. I had no right kissing them. They weren't my wife. Sure, it's quiet in here this morning. Me and Jamie. We'll let Jamie preach again next week. But I endured. Because, you see, what she needed was not what I needed. What I needed was, I'm in the Air Force. I'm ready to be married, at least in my mind I am. I'm in one city, in one state, and she's in another city, in another state. And she had no time for me because what she knew of me was an emotional young 18-year-old boy from college who she did admit I was fun to be with <laughs> as a friend. But... 
she needed for me to grow up. She needed me to find out who I was in Christ. She needed me to find out what was important for the kingdom. And so for two and a half years, no matter how many cards I sent her, and I sent her a lot of cards, Christmas card, Easter card, Mother's Day card, wish you'd be the mother of my kid. No, I didn't. <laughs> I thought that, but I didn't send it. <laughs> Vacation cards, summer cards. I'd call her house. Her mother would always be nice, but she would say she's not here. She never bothered to tell me she wasn't living there anymore. She just said she's not here. And then she'd call up Suzanne and say, you got to tell that George Brantley boy to stop calling my house at 11 o'clock at night. I was calling all kinds of times. And then one day in God's timing, come on, see, God will do what you cannot do for yourself. And God's plans are perfect, and God's timing is perfect. And one day, she's flying from Central Florida back to New Orleans on a plane, sitting next to a professor from uh, the college in West, in West Florida, Pensacola, where she had gone for her master's. And she's talking to this professor, and he asks her where she's from and what's going on in her life. And out of her mouth, she makes this statement. She said, well, I'm a teacher in New Orleans, but I'm getting ready to move to Panama City. She had never even thought about Panama City until it came out of her mouth. And Panama City just happened to be where Tyndall Air Force Base was, (laughs) where yours truly was stationed. See, God's plans, if your heart is after him, he'll make it work when in the natural it seems impossible. Come on, somebody. Seems impossible. But when when it's God, he'll make it happen. And so one day she calls. The rest is history. And next month we will celebrate 45 years together. Loving God, fulfilling the purposes and plans that he has for us. God gave me a woman that knew how to fight. Fight for us. Knew how to stand in faith. Knew how to, knew how to, to activate the faith when she needed it. Over the last few years, I've watched my wife stand with me as a caregiver. I've watched her stand for her twin sister who was diagnosed with stage two ovarian cancer and fight for our lives. See, I could have married the wrong person and missed out on everything. You could have missed God and missed out on the best that God has for you, but you don't have to. I am absolutely convinced. And some of you are sitting there going, oh, Pastor, if you only knew my marriage, whoo, I wish I'd have married another person. And, but God can redeem and will redeem if you have that heart of thanksgiving and can pause long enough to remember the why and the how. 
and remind yourself who you are in him. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. What are we supposed to seek, man? We're supposed to seek after God and all that he is and all that he has for us. Seek him. Hunger for him. How are we going to experience revival in Gainesville? Not when just a handful of people show up for prayer, but when the whole congregation gets hungry and begins to cry out, God, we need a move in this city like we've never experienced before. We need you to show up in a way, Father God, that will bypass and supersede anything else that we've ever experienced. Hungry for God to move in your children's life. Last night, um, our family, as most of your families, do all of you families have a text thread, your family text thread? I'm sure you do. We do. Sometimes that thing is overwhelming. (laughs) There's 18 of us on it. Well, there's at least eight adults. And the kids get messages via their parents. Like my wife sends a text to Luke and Ollie to wish Anna happy birthday. Well, I said, well, you know what I'm saying. But anyhow, last night, I'm about to go to bed. I read a text that my granddaughter is going to a concert in Jacksonville. And... And it wouldn't have bothered me except Mama, Ollie, said, first concert without Mama. And all of a sudden, Granddaddy, oh my gosh, oh my God, I never felt this way when I was just a parent. <laughs> Let my kids go do stuff. I mean, today, I'm like a, what do you call them, this butterfly? <laughs> Helicopter. <laughs> I mean, when my boys were little, I put Luke, who was two and a half, on a scooter behind his older brothers without a helmet on over here in the Hamilton Heights up on the hill and told him to follow his brothers down the hill as I videoed. (laughs) Or it wasn't a video back then, it was just film, right? It was a, and I'm filming. My wife comes out, she runs back in the house screaming. I mean, she can't even watch. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, you couldn't even see his head. It was underneath the bar. He's like, but today I find out my granddaughter's going to a concert without her dad or mom, and I'm like, man, oh, I went to praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I prayed, who's driving her? Who's she going with? I mean, I want to know everything. Do I have to spend half the night up making intercession, praying, standing, fasting? She said she's with her girlfriend. You know, yeah. are they Christians? <laughs> If they're they're not Christians, she ought not even be in the car with them. It's pouring down rain outside, going to Jacksonville, in the dark, deer running everywhere. (laughs) I may be glad I'm not your grandfather. I mean, I'm just like, like, oh my gosh. Woke up this morning, my first thought was, check my phone, make sure there's no emergency text. Evan must have made it home safe. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because God has a plan for Eva Amen. and for Caroline, for George, for Wyatt, for all my grandkids. He's got a plan for you. So we have to set our minds on things that are above, 
Colossians 3, verse 2, not on things that are on this earth. Because we have died, our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is in your life appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. So we have to learn to live content. And learning to live truly content comes from a choice to walk in a deep relationship with Father God. I choose today. I chose yesterday. I choose today. I'll choose again tomorrow. I'm going to surrender 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ. Living content in Christ is a choice or decision that we have to make. Because the enemy's coming to rob us from God's best for us. Living content in the Father's plans for you, listen to this, will bring you into a place of peace and fulfillment that nothing else in this world can bring you. The peace of God that passes all understanding. And so, we acknowledge God's plan for my life. And God, is there anything that I'm doing that's in the way of you fulfilling your purpose for me? Reveal it. Because I want to confront it. I don't want to end my life with regret. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful. Well done. You kept the faith. Paul said, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. My eyes are on the prize. I want to ask you to bow your head for a moment. I've asked the guys to sing a song that I couldn't get out of my head yesterday. I kept singing it. It didn't sound like what you're about to hear, so I asked them to sing it instead. But it's a, it's a confidence of the blessed assurance of God's goodness in our lives. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed before the Lord as you listen to this song, I I want to encourage you to be honest with you and be honest with God. doesn't matter if you've been walking with God your whole entire life. What matters is right here, right now. God's script for your life, God's plan for your life. Are you walking it out? Are you living it fully? Or is there something that is keeping you back? And if there is, a great time this morning just to get it right. To bring it to the foot of the cross. To acknowledge Jesus. Lord of your whole life and to surrender to him your whole heart. 
Listen to the words of this incredible song.
Every head bowed, please. Close your eyes before the Lord for just a moment. This morning, if you acknowledge and recognize that Father God truly has a perfect plan for your life, but this morning you would have to admit that you are not yet fully living out all that he has for you. That even as your head was bowed and your eye was closed and you were listening to this song, Holy Spirit has spoken. And when he speaks, you can trust him that if you will surrender that area of your life, he will take care of it. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will help you. He will enable you strengthen you to begin to walk out whatever it is that he's dealing with. He's trustworthy this morning. And when everyone in this room just reverently with your head bowed before the Lord because it's nobody else's business, but this morning, you're ready to just acknowledge that and say, I know God is speaking to me and I gotta, get, I gotta get this thing right. Right where you stand across this congregation, I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. But I want you out of an act of surrender and desire to the Father. Just lift up your hand for a moment and then you can put it back down. But that's you this morning, all across this congregation. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't let pride keep you. Nobody's watching. It's between you and God. But you lift up that hand and say, Lord, I'm surrendering today this area. Bless you guys. You can put them down once you put it up. Thank you. We're going to sing this song again in a moment but I wanna pray for all of us that have raised our hand today. God loves us so much and all he's waiting for us is a complete surrender because out of that surrender comes life, comes grace, comes an anointing because whatever God has called you to do, he's graced you to do it. He's anointed you to do it. So join with me as I pray. Father, I lift my hands across this congregation today and I am thankful for your people. Lord, they don't want to just make it. They want your best in their life. Today, many across this congregation, Father, are surrendering to you today. 100% holding nothing back today, Father. They are saying, Lord, I surrender all. Forgive me of my failures. Forgive me of my weaknesses. Help me from this day forward to walk out fully 
what you have for me. That your script and your plan will be evident in my life. That I don't need to know about next week, next month, or next year. All I need today is to be obedient to your voice today. Whatever it is, Father, I pray over all of these men and women, young and old, that all of us would have that heart of surrender. And that we can sing out of the blessed assurance of your love for us, of your cleansing of us, of your forgiveness of us. That we can surrender to your plans and your purposes. That are yes and amen. Full of hope, full of purpose. And Father, I also pray today for all the young people in this house. All of our children back there in preschool and in jam, all of our young teenagers in this house, all of our college students and young professionals. Lord, I pray that there will be a stirring and a hunger within the depths of their soul that they will want to know you, God, and all that you have for their life all the plans that you have, that they will not go from mistake to mistake, but they will go from glory to glory. And that they will walk out, even as young people, a zealous heart after God Almighty that says, no matter what my friends do, I will not bow my knee but to God alone. And I will not surrender my heart to anyone but him. I pray that, Father, over our young people. I pray over our parents that they will stand up and fight the good fight of faith for their children. They will not let the world have their kids, but that we will seek you diligently with our whole hearts. Pray these things, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, we give you thanks. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.